Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Well, I'm so excited we actually get to be together again. It has been so long since we've done a podcast together. I know, it's really absurd. Uh, and I have to, I think like... Every, I blame it all on you. I, well, I was, just about to, I was just about to take the blame. I just feel like everybody should know that uh, you've been such a, like a trooper and a champ putting out all of our content for this podcast. Well, so. it's not as fun. It's just not as fun without my partner in crime. That's right. That is right. Well, I'm I'm actually super glad we're talking about this today because you just, you know, we were we were just talking a second ago and you asked how I was feeling and um I'm kind of feeling and I'm just going to be totally honest, like kind of like garbage again. Uh, yeah. Um over the over the past couple of months, I've like just like not been well. Um and this is all like very it it's there's very like tried and true patient caregiver stuff happening they say like in survivorship it's oftentimes the hardest the best part for a patient and the hardest part for caregivers um and so i i do think like that's obviously a big part of it but as i told you like the you know what the stress and anxiety was affecting me physically um as it does and i just like in addition to like exhaustion and kind of like a really uh, kind of sl like sluggishness. Um, I was having like some distinct like abdominal pains, joint pain, um, stuff that I would attribute to like some nervous, like neurological stuff. And, you know, I've seen my primary uh, care physician like twice in the last year and everything looks, you know, as normal as it can look for a 42 year old man who's on the decline of his health. Um, oh, stop. <laughs> but, but I, this last week I had this really, and I've had little pockets of like feeling like, Oh, I'm pretty good this week or I'm pretty good today or whatever. And then last week I had like a very low key week, but felt pretty, pretty consistently like, okay. Um, and like not, any distinct like pain or discomfort and i think that one of the main reasons was it was because at the beginning of last week i had come to this conclusion that i was still holding myself accountable for not for the absence of any kind of concrete like achievement or progress this year in light of what's happening, in light of, and, you know, uh, compounded by that, like caregivers often go through a lot of like guilt and shame about, you know, pursuing any kind of uh, help beyond their loved one or their patient because, you know, the response is always, well, she has cancer. Why do I deserve to X, you know, go see a therapist, go, to, you know, take this medication, whatever, go for a run, go for, you know. Um, and in large part, I felt like 
I've been trying to live well despite this. Diet's pretty good, drinking a lot less, exercise five times a week, take my vitamins. Like we're just trying to do everything to like create a healthy lifestyle. And for some reason, I've still felt like shit. And then last week I had this epiphany, this moment where I was like, I have to like let myself off the hook from achievement or progress outside of helping my wife get healthy for this entire year. Like from like the rest of this year, the previous 10 months of this year, maybe even some of next year, I just got to like let it go and give my permi- myself permission not to, you know, not to get up every morning at 6 a.m. and like meditate for 20 minutes and do stretching and then take a cold shower and then go to the gym and like holding myself to this strict regiment that if I leave, you know, if I'm, if I make one misstep, I, I have somehow like failed. I was like, I just have to let myself go. And, and, and every day I have to kind of do what feels good. And honest to God, the moment that I even gave myself that permission, I, f- I felt better. <laughs> so you have felt better. That was going to be my big question is, you know, letting yourself or having the epiphany. Number one is, is a first step and just letting yourself off the hook because life in general, without a cancer diagnosis, without a caretaker, um, you know, you being a, a full-time caretaker, life is still so much to manage just baseline, like just what we have to do to take care of ourselves and keep a roof over our heads. And it's, it's so much to manage. So the fact that you were even thinking about achievement or, you know, professionally, like, moving yourself along in some way, you know, it's just so interesting to me that that is so ingrained in our DNA. Like, who are we if we're not achieving or we're not accomplishing? Yeah. It's both. It's just bullshit. And well, and you, you talk about this all the time, like just trying to like, got to say no to the hustle culture. Got to say no. But, but it's so easy to get roped back in, sucked back in, because if you're not hustling, if you're not constantly putting out content or being creative or contributing. I think there's this guilt around like contributing to society or contributing to the collective in some way. It it can lead you to feel not only guilty, but then just like, what is your purpose? And your purpose is keeping your wife <laughs> healthy, keeping yourself healthy and just doing what you have to do, not only to survive. I mean, I think you have definitely been more in survival mode than thriving mode, but that whole, that sentence of doing what feels good is, I think that is revolutionary for, for so many people. Like if we could just follow that urge or follow those impulses and not that doesn't mean go drink the bottle of wine go lay in front like on the couch but if you get up like you said like if you just let yourself wake up and you know not rushing like oh, I gotta meditate I gotta work out I gotta do that but actually see how you feel what is your nervous system doing what's your mind doing what you know how does your body feel and start to listen intuitively instead of feeling like you have to do all of this stuff. Um, I mean, I think that that applies to everybody. I mean, we 
Well, you use you use a really great phrase that I love and I kind of adopted last week. You always refer to it as like waking up and coming into the day. Um, and I think that's such a, a poignant, it's such a poignant way to put it because it, we, we have become in our pursuit of self-improvement and I get it, I get it. And I think any kind of self-improvement is worthy. We, we fully rely on prescriptive information. So we just look to others and we're like, how do I like what's the best morning routine? Mm -hmm. And then we go online yeah. and we find 10, 10 morning routines for like the top 10, you know, millionaires in the country or billionaires. And we're like, well, I'll just do that. And when you, when you always refer to coming, <clears throat> coming into the day, I'm always like, that indicates to me that there is this very distinct moment where you do wake up and you're like, instead of being like, got to do this, 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 and this, immediately moving into like active mode, you take this moment to be like, what do I need uh, today? A hundred percent. And I, I've actually, I mean, I live by that rule because I think a couple of years ago when everybody was in the pandemic and you know, kind of restructuring and rethinking how they do everything's Alex and I did go down a big rabbit hole of like healing journeys and morning routines and this and that. And just like, we kept kind of adding on and, you know, I got into this habit of, it was almost like a checklist, like breath work, check, meditation, check, movement, check, like cold shower, check. And now, which there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with experimentation. I mean, I think sure. like, you were also like, what will, what, what can help? What can optimize? What can, you know, exactly. And, but now I wake up and if I don't, if I don't, I feel into the day, like even yeah. instead of coming into the day and like, you know, this morning I was like, no, I, I don't want to, I did not feel like going into my studio and doing a long, you know, 20, 30 minute breath work session or anything. So I did a very truncated one. I did not meditate. I did not journal because I just didn't, I didn't feel like it. I wanted to move on to making coffee and like getting my day started in a different way. And then, you know, I figured out when I wanted to move my body, like instead of first thing in the morning, it was more like 10 or 11 o'clock today. And just, I'm really starting to, again, with my human design, my whole purpose is to follow my urges. That's it. That's all I'm supposed to do on this God's green earth, which is fucking fantastic. <laughs> and, and really like tuning in to what feels like a yes, what feels like a no, and then not having any sort of residual guilt for not getting something done, for not doing something today. Um, it, it, I think that very thing, just doing what feels good, listening to your body, instead of, we talk a lot about it, but the, this weird need to outsource like our own intelligence, our own intuitive knowing, instead of just self-sourcing, like what do you feel like today? Who cares what the millionaire or billionaire is doing or all these hacks to like living your best healthy life? That can be helpful, but not if that's not what you need or the way that you feel. So I think this whole point of today, whether you're today's conversation, whether you're in a caretaker role, whether you are a professional, whether you're trying to figure out what to do or what not to do, or you're on a health and wellness journey is to just give yourself permission to start listening and do what feels good for you. I mean, what a, what a wonderful 
piece of advice <laughs> to, well, to, to give yourself. I, I think so too. And I, you know, interestingly enough, as someone who is decidedly like carries around a lot of like weird, probably misplaced guilt and, um, uh, always feels like he's like going to get in trouble and uh and and kind of has it's very non-confrontational and afraid to ask for what I want or set good boundaries I think permission is a really kind of it's a weird elusive thing because per, uh, permission kind of like works I think for me in this particular situation uh I mean giving myself I think giving myself permission is is definitely harder than giving myself per- I mean giving yourself permission is maybe the easiest thing to do uh as long as you kind of accept that permission but we also like a- I have a- I have a tendency to activate if I have permission from other people from out that outside confirmation so I kind of I see why we do kind of outsource that because I think I think we're so disconnected from listening to our bodies and our brains and really listening for what it what we want, what we truly want and authentically want, like not what, you know, not even like because, you know, giving yourself permission can also and self-care, you know, on the note of self-care that can lead into like some dark territory. Like, I don't know that your body and your brain want you to lay in bed and eat fucking Twizzlers and like doom scroll through the news all day. Even though that, even though that might sometimes be a part of it, I think that I, I, I can see you, you see that window into how we're diluted or influenced into wanting things that we don't really want that we like think we want or we're persuaded that we want because we don't trust we don't trust our own inst you know we don't trust right. our own like our, our own gut instinct for it and that was what I had to really do this week was I had to be like you know it is okay to want to not go to the gym and then not go to the gym um despite what I might believe in my head, my body was just like, I can't do it. And and for a, a rare moment for me, I really feel like I listened to myself and I was like, okay, Good. we're, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and there's such a, I mean, that's such an important distinction that you just made because giving yourself permission to do what feels good feel is the op is the is the word is the main word that you have to pay attention to because all that other shit that we do like laying in bed and scrolling through your phone we are doing that in order not to feel hey everyone quickly interrupting this week's podcast to talk to you about a very important deep dive workshop I am doing for Writer Fest Nashville, which is an amazing conference here in Nashville for every single kind of writer, fiction, nonfiction, screenwriter, songwriter. We all come together, we network, we do panels, there's luncheons and all kinds of amazing things. But this year on Thursday, November 17th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., I am teaching a workshop called So You Want to Write a Book, Now What?, We talk a ton on this podcast about how so many people put emphasis on the writing process and not enough on the business of publishing. 
how you get published, how you make money, how it all works. And I'm really going to take people through step-by-step, whether you were writing fiction or nonfiction, on how to not only get your book written, but to get it out into the world. So we are going to define your writing and publishing goals, even if they're different than what you originally thought. We are going to figure out which publication path is right for you. So really talking about the differences between self-publishing and traditional publishing and which might be right for you. We are then going to talk about the systems to actually get your book out into the world. So if you're writing a novel, that process is totally different than writing and selling a nonfiction book. So we're going to dive into both of those. We're then going to really have an open like Q&A in terms of you asking what questions you want to know, whether it's about the terminology in the publishing world, how you get paid, how the money works, how the contracts work, how you land an agent, how you write the perfect query letter. If you're self-publishing, how do you even sell the book? How do you do any of it? I really want people to walk away from this workshop with the knowledge of knowing exactly what to do, whether you are a fiction writer or a nonfiction writer, whether you are self-publishing or traditionally publishing, but you walk away with the steps to fully, fully understand what you're doing in this world because it can be very overwhelming and very confusing. So if you want to join me, head on over to writerfestnashville.com. Go to their deep dive section. You'll just click on their little link for deep dives and you can read all about the deep dive sections. And there is a little box to get tickets. And just for you, I have a code. It is insider50, I-N-S-I-D-E-R 50 for a $50 discount on any of the ticket prices. Again, that's Insider 50. So just put that in when you go to check out. I hope to see you at Writer Fest Nashville. Come join me for this deep dive session. It's going to be awesome. I mean, we will do anything we can not to feel. So we don't really have, until we feel and feel all the pain and all the darkness and all the joy and all the light and all the shit, until you do that, you can't possibly know what you need. You have no idea because If you just look at your daily life and all of the ways you distance yourself from your own feelings and emotions, it's frightening. I mean, like like all the time, we just buffer constantly with work, with food, with sex, with, you know, tech, with all of the different things in order not to just sit by yourself and figure out how you actually feel and what you actually need. So the feeling part, I think, is is the magic key to to really giving yourself that permission. And the fact that you you finally did that, I mean, it's so crazy to me that it's so hard to do that. Like, like I don't feel like going to the gym today, so don't fucking go to the gym today and then let it go. Like, there is no, you have honored the way that you actually feel Instead of then attaching like shame or guilt, like, oh, well, shit, I should have done that. Why? Why, if that is not your stressed out, adrenal fatigued, nervous system crashed body, like you need a break. You don't need to constantly be putting stress on your 
on yourself. So allowing yourself to do that is key. And everybody could be like that. If you are so, like most of us are so sleep deprived, even though I, you know, I've really been examining sleep cycles and we were never supposed to sleep for like eight hours at a time at night. Like we're supposed to be on a 24 hour clock, kind of like babies, you know, like we're awake for four or five hours and then we sleep for an hour or two and then we're awake. And we've just, we've just like shrunk ourselves into these rules that really when you look at your your body and mind and soul and what they need, do you need to sit behind a computer for eight to 10 hours to a day and then sit behind your phone for four or five hours with your neck craned down and then maybe squeeze in, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour of movement at best and eat crappy food and sit in front of the television? Like, of course, no one's doing what what they need to do because no one is really present and awake to their own feelings and emotions. We're just going through the emotions instead. So it's it's a dangerous little game we're playing. And I think until we wake up and really examine like how we feel, it's it's just gonna feel like groundhog. Well, day and I think this is a complimentary point um, to to the note of permission. And you said you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about like that you know that driving need or that drive like how we're how we're impelled um culturally to like constantly create constantly put out constantly like yes constant, yes constant 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 and like i i do think that with all of these this discussion of like human optimization and like living your best life quote unquote i think there's also this there's that mantra that like you are enough mantra, right? That people that that people in those circles still use, but by the very like, but all everything that they're espousing, um, I feel like kind of is con- contrary to that because you are enough suggests that like yeah, you should be able to wake up and like just sit there, <laughs> you know, and just be be confident and be comfortable just being. And, you know, I was kind of like thinking about your situation. We live in a culture where someone like you, who is, uh, in addition to being uh, a wife and a mother, uh, and a business owner and a published author and do like constantly doing and constantly producing and constantly maintaining, there's ways that culturally we still suggest that somehow you're not doing enough. Oh, I feel like I'm never it's, doing enough. Never and can doing you, enough. Like, I mean, if you go down the litany of roles that you fulfill and things that you produce to suggest that somehow you're still not doing enough because X, because you're not, you know, you're not putting enough out enough social media content. You're not moving enough books. You're not done. You're not, you didn't hit this deadline. How can we, in our right mind, how can we, it's it, there and it's, it's mind boggling. Well, this statement, I mean, like what you just said, like you are enough, right? Like it, we are supposed to be enough, but we don't even know the you in that statement. We don't know who we are because Absolutely. of what we're constantly told that we're not or who we're not. I mean, yeah. you're so right. Like yeah. I was actually just talking to a, an author friend of mine who was in town and she's 52 and finally, finally got herself after 16 books to the place of being able to just 
write books because she used to be in finance and just to always like juggle two jobs and a mom of two and always juggling. I mean, in our society, if you're not fucking juggling, then it seems like you're not human. You know what I mean? Um, but she is doing this one thing and singularly focusing on one thing. And I asked her, like, is there a difference or is it this fairy tale that I'm imagining, you know, it being so much better to just focus on one thing? And she was like, it is fucking fantastic because she also doesn't have the financial, she doesn't put all the financial pressure on her books to produce and to perform. Her metric of being successful is just writing the best damn book that she can every single time she writes a book. And we were talking about all the client work. Wouldn't wouldn't that be wouldn't amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing, right? <laughs> like that is, I mean, and we were talking about how our, our terms of success have really changed um, because I am and have been for years constantly producing content, both my own and for other people without ever a break, ever. It's a, it's a cycle. It's a cyclical little thing that just keeps going and going and going. And I'm on this wheel that I can't seem to get off of. And I, I am very clear and I know the, the path that I am on and the direction that I'm headed but, you know, sometimes you tell yourself the grass is greener. Um, and I've never in my whole life singularly focused on anything. And I just, to me, that is the total mecca of like success and what I want. If I can finally get myself to a place of going deep on one thing, one thing at a time, I, I just think, you know, we we don't live in a culture that supports that kind of lifestyle focusing on one thing, doing the deep work, taking time between projects, take a year, five years, 10 years, and and really be like, really create. And instead, it's just you are everyone's constantly producing, constantly putting shit out. So it's nothing's really sticking and nothing's really making an impact. And I know we've talked about that before, but if you live by those rules, I mean, you're never going to be enough. You're never going to be enough. You're never going to feel great. You're never going to know how to tune into what you really want because you're listening to what everybody else expects of you. So it, it, again, I keep saying it's like a dangerous game, but it is like if you, it if is. you were, well, and you're not even, you're not even anymore. We're not even just listening to what other people expect of us. We're listening to what other people say we should expect of ourselves. Ugh. Yeah. That's huge. You know, I mean, what, like, because everything, obviously it's, we know we're capitalistic, so everything's industrialized. So everybody is, you know, we're all, we're all making money off of apparently telling or showing other people how to do a thing that everybody probably really could just figure out on their own. Well, exactly. If the, if the, all the shit went away and all the prescriptive stuff and all the self-help and all the advice and all the expertise just went away, you would be forced to figure out your own needs and emotions and desires and without anybody else telling you what's what. I mean, back in the day, you know, you had what, like a newspaper <laughs> where you would get your information and then you put that away and then a landline telephone and the mail. Can you imagine not having access yes. to information yes. every minute of every day? It would day? be the greatest, I feel like it would be the greatest gift to society 
this information overload. I mean, it's it it's all a, a fucking sadistic game to get you to buy into products and people and ideas and things that are not your own. And we all just agree to it. We agree to it. Uh, like subconsciously, blindly go into it without really ever questioning what you want, what you need, how you feel, which are three of the most important things, I think. I mean, I th- I'm so glad you said that because you're absolutely right. Because these these things, the screens and the hustle and the platforms and um, uh, the social media, like all of that exists to keep us preoccupied from the fact preoccupied we are yes. miserable everything is yes. you know and not to go down like a total rabbit hole but everything is designed to kind of support this shitty 5 day of week 8 hour work week like output output in industry output output industry like the suburbs were created so that people could work in the cities apartment buildings were then created in cities so that more people could live closer to where they work uh you know drive through drive through fast food school um in anything instant anything that is quicker is meant to get us back to work faster and we're all so fucking disconnected that we need apps. We need tiny little digital squares on a screen to keep us like to stop us from thinking about how shitty everything is in that way. Exa- oh, my God. I mean, mic drop. Uh, So true. So but it's but it's so true. And I mean, not only is it stopping us from thinking about how shitty everything is, but it's just stopping us from spending any kind of time with ourselves. Um, when I was on this, you know, trip to Vermont, I had like that five or six days by myself. I could not believe as much shit as I talk about tech and being off tech and getting off your phone. And I couldn't believe that being alone, truly alone for the first time. And I can't even tell you how long in a place other than Nashville, Tennessee, my urges to fill fill those voids and fill those silences with texting someone, with listening to a podcast, with going on Instagram, checking my email. I mean, it 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 was unbelievable how uncomfortable I was with just being with myself to figure out how I feel, what I needed, it, like in that moment without other influences and information and just distractions. Like you said, there are distractions to keep us disconnected from thinking for ourselves, period. I mean, period. We do not think for ourselves. And if you think that you do, you're, you're, I mean, like any opinion that you have or any, you know, conversation that you have, are those ideas your own? Is that really coming from like your mind and your heart and your soul? Or are those things that have been spoon fed to you? I mean, look at advertising and the way that how sneaky it is on, on your phones and through social media. And how, I mean, it's all gotten to this very critical place, I think. And if you are going along with it and you're not really waking up, then yeah, you'll just glide through life consuming instead of thinking and well cuz that's what that's what it wants right it wants our right. time that that yes, whole mechanism it wants, our time. wants our time and uh, you know you you mentioned it before the idea of like tr- like needing feeling the compulsion to like fill fill that time 
or and and to to talk about you know all the other things you mentioned like taking the time to recognize how you feel we'd the the very system that we live in doesn't want us to take time doesn't want us to take the time so much like we even have and you know i think they they they're probably a lot of influencers and thought leaders that say this in different ways but that um, that saying that time is the greatest commodity is your is is the is the most va- valuable commodity. I I always respond to that kind of in negatively. Like I'm always like, well, that sounds I don't know that fa- sounds like an assault. And 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 while I think that a lot of times the these these influencers and thought leaders are trying to tell us to to value that time. I also think that there's a lot of people in that sphere that are trying to show us how to best fill that time. Uh, and Oh, oh yes. Filling I th- time. Yeah. I think anybody trying to tell you how to best fill your time, how to best use your time, how to best plan your time, how to best structure your day, how, you know, like, it's like, maybe take a minute and like, don't use that time at all. Like, don't treat it like that. Like, just don't, don't fill it with anything. Fill it with nothing. Like, don't feel like you have to do something. Oh, oh my God. I mean, that, that is it. Like we are taught from a very young age. I mean, again, I I have a child that I watch when she has nothing to do. So this three day a week thing, this three day, she goes to school three days a week and it's a brilliant model. I mean, the three day work week has been proven to work time and time again, but on, on days where she doesn't have anything to do, you know, back in the day, that would mean going outside, playing until night, you know, just, just being outside and following those urges and playing with your friends. And, you know, no one lives in a neighborhood like that anymore where we're free to roam. I mean, I guess there are some neighborhoods, but I noticed that she constantly wants to fill her time constantly. Like if she's bored at all, I mean, she'll find stuff to do, but she is always actively filling her time, whether it's with reading, whether it's, and I've noticed too, like she can't just singularly eat a meal, she has to be reading a book at the same time. And she can't draw, she has to be listening to a podcast at the same time. And I see it with these kids, like just the inability, because they have so much at their fingertips, to just sit and think and feel and be uncomfortable and like spend time with their their bodies and their minds. Instead, it's just got to go to the sport got to sign up for this class, got to go here, got to do that. I mean, kids are, that's where we really learn it. I mean, kids are so busy. Their schedules are so fucking packed. And then by the time they're out of high school or go to college, like they're, we don't teach them how to be emotionally resilient or to figure out what they really want to do with their lives or time or how to have successful romantic relationships. It's it's all about grades and achievement and productivity. And it it just, it sets us up to, to fail at the very fundamental, just the fund, fundamentals of being human and being just, just being, period, not doing. I don't know what this obsession is with doing and working. And, you know, guess what? No matter how much you work, the work never, never, ever gets done. I mean, ever, ever, ever. 
Well, and that's where we, that's what, cause that's where we apply the value. Yes. We apply the value to people that do and succeed and achieve. And instead of being a good um, person, how about that be the value? Are you yeah. a good person? And what does being a good person even mean? You know, or knowing in like knowing yourself, knowing yourself, like how, why are we not asking kids like, I feel like the the question my my niece is fifteen. She's in high school. The question she gets asked more often than anything, what do you I think, be? is like, where you where are you going oh to college? And it's like, there we I go. Mean, what there is, we go. And she, yeah, you know, what is that I, you know? So I've really been been trying to play around with this with questions. Um, I'm working on a book with a, a client called "Do You Have Kids?" Because the the three questions we get asked the most, you know, like. What do you do? Which, I mean, listen to that very question. What do you do? Like, do you have kids? Um, I mean, there are all the the questions that we constantly ask that, that tells nothing about our real interests, our real passions. So I've been trying to figure out like how to restructure conversations and ask different questions, even if I don't know people. Like, where's the last interesting place you traveled? What do you do for fun? Like, how do you like to spend your time? And it it like the the look on people's faces um is really interesting because you know and my daughter's really great about that she'll ask she loves to ask questions and she asks a lot of questions about child my own childhood or Alex's childhood or memories or what is our you know and and i it's alarming to me that because of all the information we have constantly coming in that some of those older memories have just evaporated because I do not have space and room in my brain for all of it because it's all too much. You know what I mean? It's all too much to handle. It's all too much to to hold and control, especially with everything that we're exposed to today. So I guess the big question is, you know, how do you give yourself permission to connect with yourself, to spend time with yourself, to know yourself, to feel, to do what feels good in this crazy chaotic world. How do you do that? I mean, I, you know, I don't, I think every individual person has to have like have their own answer for that. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, uh, Joe Dispenza talks a lot about this. I think that the, the the moment of of offering permission doesn't probably really come until it's too hard to cope in the other in the other matrix you know when when things are too hard or when life throws something at you that's too insurmountable like like a chronic illness or or a death or an accident like i feel like that's when we recognize that we're not it's all a lie that we're, yeah yes that it's all pretend we're not and we're not present here that we're not we're not we're not here. we're not living presently here we're not living presently with ourselves and i don't purport to know myself because of this i think that i i think that in large part my i maybe had to give myself permission because my brain and body were like we cannot go on like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. In in denial of it, and and you know people work, people work under duress. There are so many people out there who are like, in much more dire and complex and and harrowing, uh, you know, other caretakers and patients even who are just have 
are facing so much more than even we are. But I think it's the deny. I think it's the denial of it that kind of exacerbates it. It's the kind of it's what and it's the badge of honor that we provide in our culture, which is like just put your head down and power through. That's what we love. We love that like under the most adverse circumstances, they just kept grinding away. And like my question is after the why grind- Why is that celebrated? Why is that celebrated? <laughs> and after the grind is over, like at what cost? What is the cost? What is the true cost? So- the co- I mean, the cost is your mental health, yeah. your physical health, yes. your emotional well-being. Yes. And we fucking celebrate that. We love that. In this culture. We love and it. I, I do not- understand why that is the barometer like the barometers that we've set for success for wealth for being you know quote unquote valuable it's all a facade and it's all it is all a lie and and when you really search yourself it is so silly when you search yourself like and you are stripped of everything so say you are stripped of you know your health your home like absolutely everything do you think for a second you're gonna really like oh man i really wish i could get on Instagram. I wish I could work for 14 hours today. I wish I could. I mean, you're, all of that stuff just falls away. You hear it time and time again when people are really faced with their own, you know, whether it is a serious terminal diagnosis or they're, or they're finally really faced with themselves. It's always a different story than the one that we're told in terms of what really matters and what's important at the end of the day. So like, don't wait until the diagnosis, like don't wait until it's all crumbling, you know, to really face yourself and, and figure out what you need. I mean, I wish we would all do that work because that's the work that, that really matters. Right. I, I, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, it's, I think we need to also like, I think that can begin with like reframing how you look at other people and their choices. You know, I I think about how we like, like, you know, as we've been talking about, we laud these, we laud individuals who like risk burnout. That's who we laud. And like, and then we look at people who maybe choose to like live off the grid or live in tents or just like surf down in Hawaii and live in a van. We look at those people and we're like, ah, slackers. God. What? What I mean, that that actually when you said that I'm like yeah that's that's it like, that's those people that's the answer that's have it, have they it figured, figured it out, out. but there's yeah. no middle ground you know it's like a a land and a life of extremes you're either one or the other and then if you're in the middle you kind of just slog your way through and you know or struggle or do what you have to do and you know this struggle for like money and power and the the fact I mean you've you have really been in it with like our freaking health insurance system and oh, yeah. Yeah. the just, just the way things are set up and the rules that have been made. I've just like looked at all of it these past few years and just questioned everything. And like, does this work for me and my life? Does this feel good? Because if it doesn't, guess what? You always have another option. There is always another way. And, but we have to wake up to actually realize that and that we do have choices, especially when it comes to how we feel. Oh, see? Now there it is. There's the quote for the episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you 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 spit out many. I mean you can't ever miss another podcast again. This is such a fun conversation. Oh, and if you <laughs> if you have thoughts about this, you're going through something similar or you have found the way to give yourself constant and continual 
permission just to be, uh, please email us at podcast at rightwayco.com, W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com and tell us your fucking secret, yes. man. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.